Hello and welcome back to the Arc of E podcast. My name is Noah and this week I am joined once again by our man in Texas, uh, musician, uh, writer, podcaster extraordinaire, now employee of the National Public Radio Corporation. Is that right? Court, how do I refer? He works for NPR, people. Uh, his name is Nathan Stevens, and, and now you can tell me. Does that does that sound right? The National I, I, Public I, Radio Corporation. I think it's organization. Organization, because I think we're also split up by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which we're technically under. Okay. Uh, yes. But but I'll you know uh, we can make it even more flowery and put on I, extra adjectives I was, there to. I was trying to ego. put on as many titles as possible. Uh, you know him, you love him. Nathan Stevens is back with us. Uh, and yeah, we're uh, our go-to man for music uh, in the year 2023. And we're keeping that going. So uh, once again, you've been on more adventures in Texas. You have a festival to tell everybody about. Very excited to hear what went down there. Turn us on to some new people we should check out. And then we're gonna uh, we're gonna add to the, the pot, add to the, the list, the ever-growing list of the best of 2023 so we're going to kind of look at what where things are sitting for us midway through the year uh and then maybe we'll close out with some new singles or whatever else we've been listening to lately that people can check out uh there will be a companion spotify playlist there'll be a link in the show notes check that out and uh i'll also be posting it on our social media so look for it there that is all of the housekeeping stuff out of the way now what you uh, experimental metal is that what is that what this experimental was? metal rap uh, oblivion access is a festival that's happened for two years now it used to be austin terror fest which was purely uh, a metal kind of thing uh mm-hmm. oblivion access for those who don't know is named after a little ugly main album um the rapper little ugly main so there, there's a, more going on for this sort of mixture of music than there was at Austin Terror Fest, as much as I loved Terror Fest. I went last year uh, for a couple of nights, had a great, great time. This year, if you read any coverage about it, the first thing you will hear is the heat, how absolutely vicious it was uh, over this last week and has been for about a week and a half now Mm -hmm. as of this recording in Austin. We got a heat dome and the heat index which is the combination of actual temperature and humidity has been hitting about 114 oh most days. That's, uh, that's rough man so oh. everything should come with the caveat of i missed a bunch of midday shows because fuck that yeah. um and also all of these opinions are lightly influenced by sun poisoning i believe <laughs> so uh yes so keep that in mind Keep that in mind. This may Absolutely. not be uh, reflective of, of your average uh, normal weather experience. Sorry, continue. No, absolutely not your average normal weather <laughs> experience. Uh, absolutely brutal. Uh, climate change is hitting Texas hard, I got to tell you. But uh, so yeah. things started off on Thursday night, went through Sunday. I definitely didn't see as many groups as I wanted to just due to like literal safety concerns and in the case of a venue that will remain unnamed uh they didn't have ac and the water that they had was in a cooler that was hot oh uh, and i was there at one in the morning so just oh Maybe not. vicious yeah. vicious heat and poor planning mm-hmm. um i will say that 
things started a little slowly. And I think that was partially because the venues were getting used to the heat as were the various artists and uh, the crowd itself. I saw one poor kid faint during one of the first sets, Mm -hmm. you know, those sorts of things. I saw a local band called deep cross who have mellowed out in the four years I've seen them, but they kind of do a very heavy, but dreamy synthy kind of thing. Uh, Two guitarists, uh, one screamed vocals, one clean vocals. I'm going to pause very quickly to put out my cat because he's yelling at me. No worries. Can I get that name one more time so I can add it to the list? Deep Cross. Deep Cross. All right. I will vamp. We're looking up Deep Cross on Spotify currently. Um, And uh, yeah, go, uh, go throw them a follow. They got about 422 monthly listeners. Latest release is called Royal Water, which just dropped... Uh, Back in March, little five song EP. So go check that out. We'll be adding. Uh, do you have a do you have a particular track you want to shout out? No, I think I just want to listen to the new one again because again, when I first saw them, they were much more into like drone metal sort of stuff, and they've a mm-hmm. little bit more Deftones influence, Hawkwind influence, stuff like okay. that, which was appreciated. They they were great. Um, that was the first band that I think really caught my attention. Uh, and played through the heat waves in a way that actually, you know, uh, got me paying attention. Uh, the next day I saw little ugly main. Um, he was not as enthralling as the first time I saw him, but the first time I saw him, he brought a giant ripoff animatronic Chuck E. Cheese toy to be his backing band. Uh, I don't think anything is ever going to top that. So, uh, this one was just more of a straight up rap set and it okay. sounds great. Um, he had some pretty disturbing Instagram posts recently about where he was mental health wise. I really thought he was going to drop out, but he ended up not dropping out. Um, I don't know if that's to his benefit credit or whatever, or if he should have taken care of himself, but he was uh, fantastic live, really got the crowd going. Um, it was the first really good rap show I saw at, you know, this thing, which is becoming more and more rap related, but is not completely there yet. You gotcha. know, it's still a lot of experimental stuff. And uh, admittedly, Little Ugly Mane and his various other personas do make a lot of music that is not rap related um, as well. Um, we had thunder and lightning come through, which delayed my ability to see chat pile, which made me sad. And basically because of the delay stuff, I ended up seeing a band called Mamalik instead, who are an anonymous quartet that plays experimental rock with some jazz influences. Okay. And one of the angriest frontmen I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay. Um, absolutely no crowd presence between songs, just silence and then ripping into another I don't know. Sounds a little bit like Tom Waits conducting a metal band. Um, it was fantastic. Know. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know where it, you took me on a journey with that one. I didn't know. If yeah, the, the they were. They was, were okay. wild. Okay, uh, I had such a good time seeing them. Uh, they, I'd listened to a little bit of their previous solo material, but uh, the live stuff kind of unlocked it. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I then saw kind of more of a hip hop set. I saw Clams Casino, um, who was good, but kind of just played and like live remixed a little bit of the songs that I was already expecting him to play from ASAP Rocky, from Little B, 
mm-hmm. you know, from Vince Staples. It was cool, but like nothing super to write home about, especially because experimental rap group Clipping played after them. Uh, Clipping, who's front manned by Davi Diggs of Hamilton fame. Okay. And okay. what he does in his spare time is some of the most bugged out, terrifying noise rap you'll ever hear. Like this is his passion, I guess. Um, and the the two producers that are with him did do live remixes of songs that made it so that every song kind of flowed into the next one rather than having to take breaks. Uh, they were also hilarious because they made a joke about motherfuckers are up here on stage being like 40. We are not doing the runoff stage for the encore run back on. It's too hot, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which I which I appreciated. Yes. Uh, that was fantastic. And then I, I think the last two that I saw really were my absolute peak uh, of kind of what I usually think of when I think of Oblivion Access, which is more experimental and metal stuff. I saw uh, Sludge Titans from Baton Rouge, Thou, uh, maybe my favorite metal band of the last 10 or 15 years. I've managed to interview them before. Super delightful people. But while playing at the venue that had no AC at one in the morning, it became this kind of swampy, hallucinatory nonsense. It was amazing. Uh, the lead singer at one point was just on the edge of the stage washing, watching a mosh happen for about three minutes, just kind of bobbing his head back and forth, staring into the void. Uh, and that was like the whole show. Um, it was incredibly intense, incredibly loud, incredibly low. Uh, but me and my friend Andrew, who went with me, we looked at each other afterwards and almost simultaneously said, is thou the greatest American rock band? Um, okay. That was just <laughs> such an incredible time. All of their records, I would suggest at least checking out. Uh, their most recent collaborative record with Emma Ruth Rundle, I think might be their most accessible point. Uh, it was fantastic. And then the last person I saw is someone I think I've mentioned on every time I've been on here because I'm such a huge fan of his. I saw Tim Hecker. Um, ambient awesome. And drone extraordinaire uh, in a church massive presbyterian church in downtown austin um he filled the room with smoke and it was a religious experience he didn't close he didn't play any of his new stuff off of no highs until the very very end and i thought it was one of the most ascendant live music experiences i've had if you had the chance to see tim above everybody i listed especially because he just doesn't tour that often go see him he's uh, really amped up his ability. It sounds funny, amped up his ability with restraint because uh, I've heard about shows in the past that have just been overwhelming drones for an hour. This one had a lot more pauses, more patience, and I think it all built to a fi- final climax that was just enthralling. Um, too hot. Too hot is my main takeaway from okay. Oblivion Access. Um, uh, you definitely saved the best for last. I'm so jealous of the the whole idea of that experience of seeing Hecker live, that would be amazing. And a church, man. Yeah. So in cool. a church too. Oh, um, yeah, that, that was my last thing. My friend, Andrew went on to see, um, a couple of bands. He recommended, he saw metal bands, Paul bearer, Godflesh, and Yob. Uh, he said Yob was the best of the bunch, a uh, very stonerific, low sludgy sort of trio. I believe outside of, out of my former college town, Eugene, Oregon's. Uh, he said it was a fantastic way to 
close things. He was uh, less affected by the heat than I was, despite the fact he's from Milwaukee. I think okay. I just didn't hydrate enough. Um, <laughs> Got to hydrate, so, man. Got to hydrate. Yeah. Oh, man. We were double fist in waters the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I would say in conclusion, uh, Oblivion Access has really carried on the torch from Terrorfest and transformed itself into its own weird mutated wonderful thing uh but as climate change makes outdoor festivals more and more difficult perhaps they should rethink it being in june in texas yes uh maybe move it to the winter that could be cool a fun little pre pre-christmas pre-holiday treat uh i i guess i have a live experience to share a pretty live cool shows, venue yes. we, yeah we never really talked about it other than a few brief texts but I saw uh, the aforementioned on our, I think our previous chat, Fever Ray, and good good time to go ahead and talk about it so I can go ahead and say nothing has changed for me. It's still my number one favorite record of the year and nothing's going to top it because it's a fucking masterpiece. But uh, they just absolutely killed it. It was at the Salt Shed, which is a relatively new venue in Chicago. It's a converted Morton Salt Factory. Uh, so they have like a half indoor, half, you know, they basically split time between their indoor and their outdoor stage. They had just recently renovated the indoors and it was, uh, okay. So opener Christine, uh, I don't, have you ever, are you familiar with Christine, the drag terrorist? Yes. Yes. Uh, so they, they described it at one point in the midst of their stage banter as this alien three ass blade runner, motherfucking looking warehouse thing that we're in right now it was the closest i've been to to like an industrial like rave sort of setting uh and it was it was incredible uh they put a lot of thought into the construction of this venue essentially if you do have to leave wherever you're set up at you never ever have to take your eyes off the stage and you never lose track of the sound because it's mic'd everywhere, including the restrooms and such. And there are flat screens strategically positioned kind of like throughout the venue. So it's basically like if you turn your back from the stage, you're still you could still watch the stage. So it's just perfect flow of people. You could go wherever you wanted to within there. We had general admission tickets, but we ended up on the uh, second tier where there was some seating or whatever, like on the front of a balcony because it the stage i wanted to see like the stage setup and the lighting which was incredible set was perfection like a perfect set list uh even managed to take some tracks from plunge that made you know the album that grabbed me the least uh of their output uh but like mustn't hurry live was incendiary dude incredible uh absolutely loved it all, and yeah, all all the bangers from Radical Romantics were present. Uh, yeah, I it was everything I could have possibly wanted it to be. It totally delivered. It was well worth the trip. Uh, and I got to spend uh, a good bit of time in downtown Chicago this time, which I have not before when I've been up to visit my buddy, uh, which is also extra satisfying because uh, the Bear Season 2 just dropped. And I, I that's actually what I tore myself away from uh, to come record this with you. Uh, I'm I'm three episodes deep, man, and it's just as good as season one. My my probably my favorite show on television at the moment. What uh, what was Fever Ray's stage setup like? I don't know what very sort of very me. minimalist, uh, live percussion, and 
I'm, there was definitely probably some some uh, synthesizers and computers being worked on by people who were not necessarily always visible. <laughs> I know they were there at certain points, but it's essentially it's Karen and two dancers uh, flanked by two dancers. And that's pretty much it's very minimalist but in the best way uh i yeah i almost want to send you some oh none of my pictures are worth it but the tour has looked kind of consistent throughout uh and yeah and they're in the uh i mean you've seen the videos the more the like the one who's getting the lap dance in the candy video that character uh the more male of the two personas i guess you would say uh yeah that's how they're dressed for the majority of the set there is one little costume change uh before they get into the the finale but uh nothing too drastic uh it was and as far as the the choreography and the dancing throughout was so like um again precise and minimalist where it was like I'm not I'm not gonna do these huge like it doesn't have to be this intense constant thing it's like it can just be captivating and very direct and like i it was it was great man it was a joy it was my one of my favorite shows i've ever been to and uh yeah a great way to cap off the whole experience of of that album and that record from this year so yeah if you yeah, have the opportunity good... which uh they're they're out of the us now they the, i think that was it it was five dates and that that was that so probably won't ever that will never happen again I don't think it'd be cool if it I, does, but I, I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity to see Fever Ray again. But this is a uh, I'm realizing we're we're having both bucket list checkoffs, but very experimental bucket list checkoffs. So yes, I, got I don't. And you got Fever Ray. Yes, uh, and I I would gladly I I would swap both of those, but I also wish we could have gone to both of those shows together. I feel like that would have been a pretty cool time too. <laughs> So, Come out to Oblivion Access. Don't die of heat stroke. <laughs> uh, yeah, that definitely sounds like uh, maybe a little more my speed instead of South by. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I definitely want to. I got to get out there at some point. Okay. Uh, any any other thoughts? Any other things before we kind of dial I, I into think... some of the other best of this year? No, I, I really think those are the main things. Because I, the only other show I was going to mention is going to be wrapped up in one of our uh, one of the albums that I'm going to bring up. I'm gonna, I'm pretty like you said earlier before we were fully talking. I think we got an overlap on one of our albums, so I'm thinking if we're going into that, I can do the two albums that I don't think overlap, and then we can do a little segue thing. Sounds good. All right, well, kick us off. What what else do people need to give a shot before they finalize their uh, their top tens? Later so, this year. Yeah, I'm trying not to bang on about the same records that I talked about the last couple of times we've been on here. So these are additions from the last three or four months, really. Uh, this one, I think if you are connected in the indie world or if you're connected in the rap world, you will be aware of it. It's the new Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel record, Maps. Uh, Billy Woods is an underground record or rapper who runs his own record label called Backwood Studios. He's become kind of famous or infamous for hiding his face at all times. He's got a little bit of an MF Doom thing going on. Um, okay. I have loved him for over a decade now. His work with Elucid, 
which is under the name Armin Hammer, really caught me about five or six years ago. And his entire catalog is just really interesting. He touches things. He touches rap like a screenwriter would. Um, he just has these miniature plays, these exacto knife moments that he just cuts out of pictures and scripts and sudden moments in his life. Uh, his last two full lengths ago, a record called Athiopes was tied for my record of the year last year. He's been hyper prolific. His new one with Kenny Siegel is, I think, the most accessible he's been at. It's got a consistent theme, which is about travel and touring. Uh, he's funnier than he usually is. He's a little bit more vulnerable than usual, and he's got some amazing guest rappers on I here. I see three features on here that I'm, I'm like, there, there's, well, there's only four features total, I yeah. think. But you got Danny Brown on here, one of my absolute favorites. Uh, Sam Herring from Future Islands, probably my favorite like male pop vocalist alive. Uh, and then uh, Aesop Rock on here as well. Oh yeah. That should tell Incredible. you the pedigree. That uh, I look. I'm gonna throw this on uh, very quickly. So, did you shout out uh, FaceTime earlier this year? Was that a single? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was a single. I was gonna I was say. In. I didn't yeah. think this was a. I, I was. I got excited that it was a track I hadn't heard yet from this one. But no. Okay. So this is the the whole record. Okay. I got to check this out. So this dropped in May. Okay. And I, I saw Woods right before the record dropped. He didn't play anything off of it, but it was a fantastic live show. Uh, he's a lot more engaging than I thought he would be considering his mysterious persona. Like he was funny mm -hmm. uh, and just chatty with the crowd and all that stuff and uh, just really excellent live. Um, again, if you're looking for a way into his discography, which is both vast and kind of thorny in some ways, I really think there is no better record than this one to start. Um, I think the guests that you pointed out uh, are a perfect starting point and a good hook into it. Uh, Danny Brown, the way that I describe his voice is if you've ever seen Fern Gully, where Tim Curry's like evil sludge monster is there. Danny Brown is like the modern version of that. That's what he sounds like. He sounds I, like pollution. I need to go back and watch <laughs> Fern Gully because it's been a bit. But yes, I I adore whenever Danny Brown features on other people's records. And it just but it just it's literally just like throwing dynamite in the middle of a track where it's just like, okay, and now it's something completely different. Now it's yes. gonna like now I'm gonna do my thing. Um he has he did a whole split with JPEG Mafia earlier mm -hmm. this year, which I have not listened to. Didn't even realize it came out, and then that popped up. Uh, I'm not I'm not super uh, well informed on JPEG Mafia. They featured on some stuff that I'm aware of, but I I do love Danny Brown, so I need to give that record a spin. That one yeah. was not on my radar at all. Uh, scaring the hose, yes, is that what it's called? It's called scaring, scaring the hose. The, scaring the hose. Oh yeah. Uh maps, maps by Billy Woods is weirdly not host Karen music. I think I think it's okay. able to be kind of chill. Uh so I would say so far, probably my rap record of the year. All right. I got it. Yes, I have to give this one a spin. Uh I guess I'll talk about my current rap record of the year. It's very fresh, very fresh and new yeah. to me. I don't know if this one's on your list. Uh it's about a week old. Uh it's called Michael by by Killer Mike. Yes. Uh, his first solo record since rap music, the uh, the incredible rap music, uh, and I I mean I was 
I've been amped on it because he's done a he has been promoting the hell out of this record on his social media uh, from the get go. And as he kind of like slowly would drip out like, oh, guess who's on here? I got more and more excited. But uh, let me pull up the track list. Any anytime somebody gets gets an Andre 3000 feature on on a record these days, it's automatically uh, usually my favorite track. So uh yes yeah, scientists and engineers which also has a uh, future on there as well uh great track before it dropped i think we got the two sing uh singles we got don't let the devil which has lp from uh run the jewels on there with him and i think motherless also came out as a single but uh it's obviously a very personal record he's talked a lot about how the reason it was time to make a solo record and something that was specifically not a run the jewels record is like i have these very specific things i want to say and focus on and some maybe some like personal stories and shit i haven't gotten off my chest yet uh this not that it not that we need to compare but you could look at this as like it's a little more on the uh mr morale uh big steppers sort of side of things where it's you know it's a little bit like I've I've done the brash bravado and like the you know, it's run the jewels is essentially it's two incredible show off artists just showing the fuck off over and over again and it's so enjoyable and entertaining and then they slip in a little you know they slip in the message or whatever but his solo stuff has always been a little more message forward and first but this one feels like that that veneer of like I've got to be the voice of all of this stuff i've got to like basically re-educate people about reagan etc etc this gets down to more of a granular level of like this is me as a person these are some of my flaws stuff i'm still working on stuff i'm not proud of etc there's no uh there's no artifice not that they're it, again i think of them as very like real down-to-earth guys but there's a certain amount of like brash bravado that comes with the run the jewels experience it's meant to be fun first and foremost and like energetic and in your face uh but yeah i the uh the production is incredible uh a lot of like it just feels like a classic hip-hop record in a lot of ways uh very traditional uh very old school and and very much a a specifically not just a southern rap record but an atlanta rap record with a giant atl stamped on it i don't know it's very intentionally like you know we know where where we're from kind of thing uh i, I love it i've only been through about two two full spends on it but uh yeah right now i could kind of say by default but right now it's my rap record of the year uh mainly because uh we did talk about uh let's start from here the little yachty record from earlier this year uh, which I don't know that I strictly identify as a as a rap record. It's more you no, know, I think that's a psych psychedelic, rock yeah, psychedelic funk rock, whatever we want to call it. But I, yeah, I, so I kind of separate that one out. So for right now, Michael is my number one. But I have got to give the Billy Woods record uh, a shot immediately. And I will. I think this is the first time. It would not even disagreed because I haven't listened to Michael yet. I have found Killer Mike to become more and more grating over the last couple of years, as a um, personality or as a as an artist, uh, as or a rapper both. and a personality. Okay, yes. fair enough. Um, but the thing is that that's that's one of the things when you come into a new record that you know is going to be very very personal, and you're like, 
I don't know about this person's like persona, personality, how they're coming across, how I'm going to meet with it. But the way you're describing it, I think sounds more up my alley than I thought it would be. I thought I, I thought I was going to skip this one. And and so. I won't I won't say that like it all 100% like fires on all cylinders for me. Uh there I mean it's it's got its peaks and valleys, but overall and I I have I guess I would say you know I've maybe not soured on him as much. I I know there's been there's been some back and forth over, and I think anytime you, you know, make yourself that dude who is an authority figure, so to speak, on issues, et cetera, that you're kind of you invite a lot of that shit in. So, yeah. I grant you that. Um, are you a little more down on the fourth RTJ record, or just run the jewels in general, like as yeah. a project? Yeah, I'm curious. I think. I think looking back on it, I remember making. You know, this is a very silly like way to kind of realize it, but I was making like a run the jewels mix, which was like, oh, it's my favorite songs off of each album without the filler. And I realized as it went on, I was cutting out more and more songs. Um, and I think I think the the highlights from Run the Jewels three and four in particular are some of the best they've ever had. Kill Your Masters in particular from Run the Jewels three and from four Yankee and the Brave. I think the and um uh, for the fire for firing squad uh i think they're still almost undefeated in like album openings and closings like mm -hmm. they're just really incredible at that but uh, there was just more and more stuff that after the first or second or third listen i would just skip or i couldn't quite remember the chorus or you know what i mean it just kind of faded a little bit and i think part of that was how quickly they were producing stuff over that time period and how much they're I don't want to really say a formula because they're especially LP is such a creative when it comes to beats. But the thing is the same two dudes for four albums doing, you know, the thing is the only group that's ever been able to do that in any way is probably outcast, you know, consistently yes. like reinvention of themselves. And even then they were sputtering towards the end with idle wind and parts of the speaker box love below. So, you know, uh, I don't really blame them for that, but I definitely was less and less enamored with three and four as time went on. And I kept coming back to one and two instead. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think I, I wouldn't even say soured on run the jewels themselves. I think it's just gone from, Oh, they're the best rap duo since outcast, which what it felt like in the moment to like, Hey, I, I don't really go back to three. Hey, I don't go back to four. Well, I per three was like the one that cemented it for me. Mm -hmm. And probably the one that I, obviously I think is kind of the most accessible and was right when they started to kind of like fully right. hit that, like, Oh, everybody knows like mm -hmm. five or six songs now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I still love three. My brother and I, we did uh, rerun the jewels, a little mini series in the lead up to the election uh, as a like, you know, politically active. Hey, everybody go vote. But by the way, don't vote for the wrong fucking guy, basically <laughs> sort of uh, mini series. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We never never got any feedback <laughs> over whether people were like. Oh, this is fun. Two white guys going through uh, all of all of this material, which was pretty much the the preface of every single episode was like, yeah. uh, just to, you know, just get it out of the way. Our opinions do not matter whatsoever, but uh, we do really like these guys uh, in this group. So, 
anyways, but in going through them, I agree with you. We, it was kind of like, we had been so in the mindset of like four had just come out. It was a big deal at the time. And three was kind of where my brother and I bonded over them initially or whatever. But it was like, when we went back through and we went back track by track, it was like, dude, one and two out of the gate are just like some incredible records that definitely still hold like completely hold up. I, I agree with you though. The, the track lists get a little a little lengthier particularly with three and it's like yeah you could make your like oh i'd chop out these four i'd chop out these five and like this is the this is the best of the best but uh i feel you. i think that i, feel you. I think, I think you in... go ahead oh i was just gonna say, i i think given like how you're approaching the other ones i'm like i i think you'll you'll like michael more than yeah more than you think you would uh yeah i would just say like the compliment to one and two is that the sequencing I think is flawless. There is no fat on either of those records. And this is the thing we we're talking again about Mr. Morale and the big steppers, which has kind of become an interesting record of just like a point of comparison for a lot of hip hop now, which yeah. is you make a messier, more personal, longer record, and it may be more cathartic and the highs may be higher, but the editing often goes out the window. And oh, for uh, that's sure. what I felt about three and four. Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm trying to remember i think four is a little a little tighter mm -hmm. than uh, yeah three is sprawling three like, yeah three, three is long. definitely the one where it's like oh everybody wanted to come to the party basically like yeah. we made two records everybody loves so we can get anybody now and it's yeah it's definitely the most star-studded uh affair uh but yeah give michael a shot it's like that is my one honest like my one kind of overall bit of criticism is it's it's a features buffet mm. uh and so there's some stuff in the buffet that you're like hell yeah i really like that this is here and then there's other stuff in the buffet that you're like oh, i don't even have room for this on my plate you know what i'm saying yeah. so but to that point some of the features i think kind of surprised me with how he used them or how okay. they chose to be incorporated where it's like, oh, I would expect a verse from this person. Instead, they're doing the hook. Okay, that's a little that's that's different. So surprising in that aspect, but I was kind of sitting here when you look at when you actually look at the track list, it's like this is Killer Mike's Michael. And I think he has two tracks that are just him. You know what I'm saying? Where I was yeah. like, as personal as it feels moment to moment. You'll also have like a feature come in and I'm like, what the fuck is this person talking about? Like, did they get like, did he give him an outline of like, here's the rough theme or like, here's kind of what we're going for? Because there are moments where you're just like, I don't know. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Okay. That, uh, that they didn't get the assignment that didn't fit the, the project to me, it, but you know, this is the classic problem with almost being too many friends with too many people in the rap world or <laughs> it's like yeah. well i gotta have him and she's gotta get a and, and if this person's on you know i can't not have this i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings yeah. it's like yeah but the uh deandre 3000 versus uh you know of course. just unimpeachable every time he shows up i'm just like oh i'm glad that happened uh, i'm really glad that happened i do secretly hope that this sounds terrible um but I hope it's like a Prince Vault situation. And like Andre's actually been making like four to five records a year. 
uh, that nobody's allowed to hear. They're just sitting, just sitting in a vault somewhere. He's even collect. They've made more Outcast records. Like him and Big Boy, <laughs> they actually are like really good friends still, and they do hang out all the time. We just don't know about it. And and you know, hopefully a hundred years from now, after he's long dead and gone, uh, it'll be like, oh yeah, crack that vault, and all of a sudden you'll be like, oh shit, dude. He he was just killing it this whole time. Uh, yeah, that's my secret hope. Still my my favorite MC of all time. My oh, yeah. my favorite rapper ever. Period. Uh, yeah, really yeah. wish he would come back to music full time. But do do you man keep acting and you know whatever makes you happy. I mean, what what yeah. Whatever I think makes he sense, there was it was in promotion for for the Michael record whatever. But Killer Mike had a thing where he was like. Yeah, we hit up Andre and he's just like he's off playing a flute somewhere in Japan and they cut to this footage of like some random tourist in Japan who was just like Andre and he literally he's on a street corner looking incredible of course like incredible outfit and he's playing the flute just chilling somewhere in like Kyoto. I don't even know dude. Honestly, if that's the life you're living though, I don't I, I'm, a, for not I'm like you, you do whatever you want to do man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, um did we? So, uh, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to get us all so sidetracked. Had Coachella happened when we recorded last? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. We, did we? Did we, we talk about the we, Frank Ocean at all? I, no, I don't think we talked about Frank Ocean. We can definitely take our our tangent I mean, here because I think. Okay, so I was at a small music festival this last weekend as we're recording, right? And. I was talking to some people and it was really interesting to kind of compare and contrast what had happened at Coachella and what Coachella has become as compared to still smaller music festivals, right? And a big part of that was, why are you at Coachella? Because I can tell you why I'm at Oblivion Access. I'm seeing a bunch of artists that you literally never get to see, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and for a semi-reasonable price and it's in my town. Coachella, with a couple of exceptions, Frank Ocean being one of them, and we'll get to that. There's so many people in the lineup. It's so out the way. You have to pay so much money to get there that really there's only a certain segment of the population that can go regularly. And it seems more and more like those folks are going to be seen. That right. going to Coachella and seeing Beyonce, going to Coachella and seeing Frank Ocean is, I can say that I did this. Mm -hmm. rather than the experience in the moment stuff. I saw a video that was going around on Twitter of people filming themselves during the Beyonce concert. And it was like a Beyonce song came up that apparently meant a lot to these folks. And they all started crying immediately, but it was more like I was there for the song, you know, like mm -hmm. I could capture this moment and say I was there as opposed to the people who are not there. And I'm not going to say that I can understand Stan culture. Uh, it terrifies me. Uh, but it feels like Coachella is kind of wrapped up in this, you know, how much are you going to con to see the films? How much is con now like fashion? Who's there, you know, uh, or the Met Gala, you know, stuff like that. And I feel as like a not very fashionable person feel a little weird <laughs> about a music festival suddenly becoming very much a fashion. You had to be there kind of statement thing. Right. And I think that leads into what we're about to talk about with Frank of like, deep miscommunication a lot of discomfort and people not knowing what they want including frank ocean <laughs> yeah um before we get into that yeah. quick side note 
if you want to understand stand culture just a little bit more and you want a fantastic satire of it all swarm on amazon prime mm, yeah uh the first post uh atlanta show from donald glover and janine neighbors great show and they even have a coachella episode uh it's great you should check it out uh very very good show frank ocean um yeah i first of all i thought we were going to be able to see it that was that was one big thing and transitioning off of what you were talking about the all of these big festivals that seem so sought after for such a long time now it's even bigger money for them because they're selling the rights to to hulu or wherever and we're getting these live streams and stuff where it's like for a lot of people my my thing is most of the time it's like to actually carve out the time of day where i could go watch whoever on the live stream it never syncs up it's like as frustrating as it would probably be to be at the festival but now that that's an option i'm like all these years that i wanted to maybe go to like your bonnaroos etc like those sort of things it's like now i don't want to but now is when the access as far as like oh i could just watch them streaming i could see any of these performances whenever it's not some shitty like rip from youtube it's here now um it's it's kind of almost now like now i don't really want to or care about it and you have little things like that night i was like dude i'm gonna watch fucking bjork and then i'm gonna watch the first live frank ocean performance in years like what's he gonna do i'm so excited and then they basically no again no communication from Coachella themselves or or from uh, Hulu or YouTube or whatever it was streaming on that oh uh, yeah Bjork that one's not gonna you're not gonna be allowed to see that one nope uh, it's not part of the live stream it's like okay so that's seven o'clock shot and I'm like okay I guess I'm gonna stay up till after midnight or whatever and hopefully catch this frank ocean thing and glad i didn't because it was delayed an extra hour which would have been even more on my anyways it was delayed an extra hour and then what people got again i think i would have liked to have seen in the moment live as it was happening but i think they very wisely i guess were like no this isn't part of the live stream and this arbitrary like but this is just for the people who were there it was like Okay, okay, fair enough. That's their prerogative. I guess some artists can say, I don't want this out there for public consumption. It's not fully formed, etc. But then the next day when we started hearing like, hey, so it didn't go so well. Hey, there's some technical difficulties. Hey, people were kind of baffled by the whole experience. Uh, and then the fact that I, he was what? He was supposed to go the next week, right? Mm -hmm. Like he had another one scheduled and then very quietly just like... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that again. And I was just like, what what happened there, dude? And for me, honestly, I yeah, people had all their varying opinions. I kind of love it. It's still it, to me, it plays into the mystique, dude, where I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. Like, of course, of course, it couldn't just be like a normal performance <laughs> that everybody would be like, oh, that was a real crowd pleaser. Like, he's back cool and he played like one new song at the end or like what everybody else was secretly hoping for like oh by the way new records out right now you can go stream it like on my website i'm not releasing through any major platforms like some shit like that you know that's what we we're all hoping for uh but yeah I, I don't know man just what you know 
But to me, again, plays into the mystique of like whenever you want him to do something, he will not do it. And fundamentally, that is like what he always zags. And that's fundamentally what I guess keeps keeps him compelling in my mind, dude. I don't know why I've turned him into like the modern day Bob Dylan of just like we've got to read into we got to read the tea leaves, man. Read between the lines. What's really oh. going on there? I don't know why I've made him into this figure, but, and I know he probably is like, could give a shit about that aspect of how people view him, but I don't know, man. Again, and I think that's 100% what it is, is he's just, he's just doing exactly what the fuck he wants to do, not on anybody else's schedule or time frame. And he's in his own headspace. And I don't know if we'll ever quite understand what that is. Yeah, I think, you know, the moment itself, what it read to me, and, you know, there's a lot of hearsay, there's a lot of gossip, is that the simplest explanation is Frank Ocean does not like playing live shows, but you can't say no to 40 to $4 million for one show. You got too, yeah, you got too many people. You've been out of the game for too long. It's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do that. He, he has always struck me as kind of the auteur behind other pop stars that accidentally became big himself because he wrote songs for so many different people. He was obviously in, you know, odd future, all of this stuff that kind of uh, mysterious mercurial person, even in those days. And then I don't as excellent as channel orange is and as excellent as blonde is, I don't think respectively anybody expected channel orange to become this massive phenomena pop hit. And I don't think anyone expected Blonde, even coming off of Channel Orange, to become this kind of art pop masterpiece that is now thought of in the same tones as a Bjork, as mm -hmm. even, you know, going further back to a Marvin Gaye or a Prince. And so it's almost like, you know, suffering from success kind of stuff of like, no, I don't want to play live shows. I want to make music when I want to and skate. And that's about it. And you make albums like that and you live in a culture that we do now. There's just, unless you are going to completely disappear off the face of the earth and play flute and Kyoto, that's <laughs> yeah. just not an option, you know, um, to live in kind of both worlds where you will drop a feature where you are working on new music, where you will do an occasional live show, people are just going to become absolutely rabid for it. Mm -hmm. As compared to Andre, where we're kind of like used to it now, but he just like yes. drops by every two years for it a verse took, and then disappears. And admittedly, it took a while because oh, yeah. again, there was a huge gap where there was nothing. And then as he would slow every time, like something new would pop up. Um, like for instance, the channel orange feature where I was just like, mm -hmm. okay, okay. Is he like something happening here? And you'd always, and, but yeah, it took a little while, but yeah, I think we've been trained at this point where it's like, no, he literally, he'll do stuff with his friends and people he respects every once in a while. That's that enjoy it when you get one. And I'm like, I, I, that's fine. That's great. I think we're seeing in real time in the social media era, an artist attempting to do that. With and, and we just don't want to let him do it. But, yeah. we, but we're in the social media age. We, you know, at the very least for Andre, by the time Channel Orange came out, we were used to this kind of thing going on. And over the next couple of years, uh, we're like, okay, this is just what he does. Frank is trying to do it in the he's, era of TikTok. He's like, also so young. Again, that's yeah. the thing I have to remind myself is yeah. it's like, yeah, imagine you made those two records like before you were 30. How old is he now? He's like 30. 
34, 34, maybe? something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, like, imagine absolutely. you make those before you turn 30. That's just, yeah. That's like Orson Welles type shit. But anyways. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, we never, we never properly talked about it. I thought it was a fascinating entry in the ongoing saga of, oh, yeah. of trying to nail him down, which is part of the fun is that we never will. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's been our, that's been the ocean report uh, for this, uh, <laughs> this episode. Uh, now let's get, we were in the midst of a list uh, again, to remind everybody, Billy Woods maps and uh, killer Mike, Michael renders Michael uh, th- hit me with another one. I've got one that's going to start very left field and people are going to go like, I don't know about this. And then I'm going to reel you in. All right. So Do it. The pitch comes second. The description comes first. It is an album called Agatha 2 by the UMO Helsinki Jazz Orchestra. Um, It is original compositions by a Finnish jazz composer with a full ensemble of jazz and streaming musicians that may sound a little bit dated or too stately. The thing I'm going to say is when I listened to it, I instantly thought of the jazz you hear in Lupin the Third or Cowboy Bebop. Uh, just I'm with a full sold, orchestra. Sold immediately. Uh, oh my that's God. my hook. So, you know, don't go into this thinking this is a very, like, polished, overly pristine jazz record. It can be polished. The production is excellent. But it is a really rambunctious, playful whimsical like there's smooth jazz where you have like a playboy kind of figure listening to it and then there's smooth jazz where the jazz is telling you to rob a bank this right. is that jazz <laughs> okay this is i like that jazz this like is oceans jazz. 11 this is lupin this is cowboy bebop kind Dude, of stuff hell yeah uh, uh two I, of my favorite anime scores and the the score to oceans 11 which I, we've never talked about it one of my all-time favorite movies uh, a perfect film in my estimation oh yeah. uh also weirdly the movie i've seen the most uh there was about a year and a half period where this is in high school where it was my go to bed movie so i just watch <laughs> it on a loop and so like wherever i fell asleep i just restart it so weirdly probably seen it upwards of 100 times it's the one movie that i've seen that okay. that many times okay. yeah well, I, this this might really scratch an itch for you. Um, and yeah, it, I don't know if I, there's been a lot of excellent jazz this year. Um, I'm not even mentioning the new Mammal Hands record, which is a great mixture of electronic and jazz. Uh, the Conic Rose record, which I think I mentioned before and mm-hmm. another. Um, there's It's been a very good record year for jazz. I think Agatha 2 has struck out to me as the most playful and out there jazz record and not out there in terms of free jazz, but just completely to the beat of its own drummer, uh, which I really appreciate. And I've enjoyed it a tremendous amount. It's just a record to put on on late night, not necessarily for sleepy time, but just like feeling confident, feeling yeah, I like feeling whimsical. So we've talked about Andre 3000. I want to be on the street playing. Oh, yeah. Sounds so. I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend it not just for jazz heads, but for folks who are interested in the scores we just mentioned, because that's that's the feeling, you know. It, I'm fully on board. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited for both of these. Um, so 
Go ahead with yours before we, I believe, for the uh, yeah, coalesce. for the for the sake of throwing another one in the mix because I don't think we talked about it with any depth. Uh, but a record that I went back to after a little bit of a break, uh, "Multitudes" by Feist. Have you given mm-hmm. this one a spin? Uh, only the singles, and I was told by a friend of mine if I ever had the chance, I have to see her live. So I'm waiting to see if she'll have austin dates sometime in the near future um i i too would love to see her in a solo capacity i've never been to a broken social scenes show either that is my ideal is that i get to see a broken social scene show where she is there and it's all of all of my faves all actually there at one time would be cool but uh yeah no so i this was a weird thing where the singles she had released so many of them that when i got to them i thought it was an ep I yep. did not think we were getting a full record. So I listened to it as an EP, essentially, <laughs> those first like four or five singles. And I thought that was it. And then a couple weeks go by and all of a sudden it pops again. Am I recommended? And I'm like, wait, what what the mm-hmm. heck? Because weirdly, with the sequencing of where she cut like what had come out, it was kind of like the three it's it's not a particularly segmented record but it's like i got the vibes of all of the whole thing but i just was like oh it's just shrunk down uh so yeah i i really she's just she's one of my favorite female vocalists like period um i don't know that anything's ever gotten quite to the heights of the reminder but it's like that's one of those double-edged sword records because it's like kind of hate that everybody loves her now and like it was especially you <laughs> know I, that guy. no that's no 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 that's i'm talking about my mentality at the time at the time maybe there was a little bit of that there's a little bit of that and then you have to sit there and go like well yeah the reason that it like broke through and became like what it became is because it's fucking like borderline perfect record it's like it's just it's it's the culmination of everything she had done up until that point. And yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to fully hit those high highs of like, I don't know, the perfect like sad pop song, which she, for a while, she did better than just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Multitudes has a lot of like, just just great fucking songwriting on it. Uh, yeah. So that's my, that's my soft pick for like, hey. Let's not forget this one came out this year, mm-hmm. even though I thought it was an EP because I'm an idiot and I didn't pay enough attention. Uh, but yeah, so multitudes by Feist. I think we're I think we're in agreement. So you just you just go off, King. Uh, tell everybody about uh, tell everybody yeah. about this record. This next one we're uh, about to talk about, which I think, I mean, I for me it's number two because uh, mm-hmm. again nothing can transfer it. But uh, it was one of those like first time through. I was like, oh, that was. Uh, uh, what a wallop uh but yeah tell people about sus dog dude yeah uh so this one was definitely coming out of left be, field i'm not... sorry it would be so funny if you were like dude that's actually not the wreck i thought we were on the same page <laughs> i was talking about something completely different no no like i really love uh the second chapter of dracula or frankenstein the, <laughs> yeah, the national oh, record no, no. you're like i really loved it i'm gonna go to sleep if we bring up that record. What i'm excited a, for our worst albums of the year at the i was gonna say what oh, okay we're gonna do a worst of we usually don't do that around these parts we don't we don't <laughs> well, uh, I am. We, we don't like to sh- <laughs> We don't like to shit on the movies, we movies and TV and such that we don't like, but uh, they just kind of come up organically. But we can do we can do a worst of, and yeah. and you and I as uh, struggling indie musicians can shit on 
our betters we can we Look, can definitely just, do that sometimes totally we, do we that. cover so much positive stuff you got to sharpen that sword sometimes but hey, that's uh, a good that's a good thought okay yes please yeah. talk about clark please talk about clark uh yeah clark this one came out of left field for me not because of it being a clark record i've been a fan of him since winter limb um, but it came out of left field because he's singing on it and he's used his own voice for vocal production and sampling before. If you're not familiar with him, he's a very textured, layered, wintry sounding producer from the UK who's had a lot of critical acclaim over the years. I wouldn't say any necessarily commercial breakthrough, but definitely in the right circles is considered just one of the most textured and polished producers out there. Um, his album Body Riddle, uh, especially the song Night Knuckles, is like one of my favorite electronic like combos of all time. But uh, under the executive production and help of one Mr. Tom York for this record, he started experimenting with his voice more as a narrative and melodic instrument. And uh, turns out he's got this gorgeous tenor this just this whole time. It turns out one might say you can't tell where his voice begins and Tom York's ends because there are, it is basically like, you know, like two brothers just, just palling around in the same vocal range where I'm like, I don't know who's singing right now. Some of these tracks I'm genuinely like, I know he did backing on some of this, but I'm like, I don't know who that is right now. Uh, They're definitely in the neighborhood. And it's like, that's a, I don't know. In some circles, to me, that's uh, like kind of the highest compliment you can get. As like a hey, I decided to start singing. Turns out, kind of sound like Tom York. <laughs> exactly. Oh, good for you! Really good for you, buddy. That's that's fantastic. Really exactly. happy for you. Uh, I I think that's what's so exciting about this that I was not expecting is you know usually when we say someone's like going pop or turning pop, it's it's not a compliment, but it turned out that having over a decade of making incredible electronic music made it so that when he did go art pop, he knew exactly what he wanted to do, where to place his voice. Uh, Town Crank, which is the second song, one of the lead singles is maybe my favorite song of the year, precisely because it has this combination of incredible vocal pop hooks, but still has this like bone shaking drop in the middle of it. And it sounds completely natural because He's so good at doing the electronic part that sort of weaving this pop element into the EDM, IDM, whatever you want to call it, just became very easy for him. He was able to produce things that fit his and Tom's voice so well. And so, yeah, it's an electronic artist making an art pop album in the best possible way of both worlds. Yeah, it's uh, it's really something special. Uh, I agree with you, Town Crank definitely up there uh medicine which is one where tom is like actually credited as like hey i have like a big section on here but i'm like you're all over the record it seems arbitrary but whatever um anyways and to that note uh sorry we'll get we'll get to singles in a minute um yeah i was gonna say as an electronic producer yourself like what did you take away from the album because i'm a vocalist first and foremost I, i mean just a lot of just a lot of jealousy and rage over not knowing like how do you do that i don't know how you do that how do you get that to sound like that um <laughs> just a lot of that it's pretty much like when i listen to tobacco and i'm just like dude how do you how do you get the how do you, how do you get that going how do you like you know a lot of that uh 
Yeah. And uh, uh, yes, again, to be completely honest with you, a lot of like just sheer jealousy over like, dude, you, you decided to start singing and it sounds that fucking good. <laughs> and I'm not hearing like a ridiculous amount of effects on that vocal. You know what I'm saying? That that was the most surprising to me, I guess, is I thought it was going to be more experimental in that vein. But it's, you know, it's just gorgeous. Like, it's not, you know, uh, and like you said, using using his vocal as an instrument, which is uh, something I've actually been playing around with recently, which is literally taking vocal filters, applying them to uh, kit instruments like on a drum and then like speak singing into my microphone to get weird uh effects and see what that produces or whatever i i don't know dude i've been doing weird shit because i'm I, i'm in that stage right now where it's just like i don't know man let's go really weird and experimental and, and see if and we can that's what i was expecting you brought up tobacco who modulates his voice like crazy yes so that there's almost no human behind it which is really interesting and clark went the complete opposite way there are harmonies on here that i expect off a of fleet foxes record like for sure it's incredible him and Tom, whoever is writing the harmonies, like massive credit for making these sorts of like melodic ideas that are very far away from what I think you and I would think of what an electronic producer might do to their voice. Instead, it's very uh, warm. It's very tactile and they're not do they're making it very human, which Clark often has pushed away that side in his music. Yes. And it's the and that's a, the the more human elements of it are almost what lull you into like this false sense of security. So that when you do have those kind of jarring drops or when like you have these tempo changes that come out of fucking like left field, um, they're like that much more. Uh, assault of an effect. So I was listening to some boards of Canada on the ride home from work, and I was just like, it's just good to remind yourself every once in a while. I'm like, dude, the closer, um, was it Happy Cycling? I think mm -hmm. the closer on I Music so. Has a Right to Children. Yeah. It's like, it's six minutes of the same drum loop, and it barely, like, and just some light loops over top of that. And then only in the last like minute or two does it kind of like get where it's going or like do a big change or whatever. And I'm like, just it's good to remind yourself every once in a while that it's like, dude, the repetition is there for a reason. It's yeah. like the setup and payoff of taking something that's just like, okay, I like this is a groove, this is a whatever, but like there's that, you know, these subtle things that creep in there. And then just like, Boom, dropping it. It's so, I'm sorry. It's so weird. I'm sitting here talking with my hands or whatever. I'm like, this is why I can't do music journalism. I can't articulate, like, you know, when the thing does the thing, <laughs> you're like, you're here and then you're there. But, uh, but it's a lot. But of that's that. a, it's a good point because I almost want to see more artists take this kind of Clark route because he knows how repetition works. You know what I mean? He's obviously a Boards of Canada devotee, like most modern electronic artists are, and he's completely comfortable doing repetition within this pop record where I think a traditionally mixed produced or written pop record is like the only repetition we're doing is the hook, just blast the hook, blast the hook. And Clark feels so calm and being like, no, we can it's just let this play out. Assured. That's the word I've yes. been struggling for this whole time. It is one yes. of the most assured, just like I've been almost like I've been visualizing and thinking about like when I do 
take this next step in my career like and that's the other thing is i'm like it is this a whole new mode going forward or is mm -hmm. it like this is what i wanted to do for this project and like now i'm gonna go back to like my normal you know has he has he found a new tool that he's going to basically use going forward and this will be his new identity or yeah will it be like oh every once in a while i sing <laughs> you know yeah um more casually so uh whereas this one felt very purposeful of like I, I feel and I haven't I haven't done like a side by side, like actually reading the lyrics, but I feel like there's some references to finding your voice or, yes. you know, in in the lyrical content, at least some of what I picked up in the first couple of times through. Well, uh, well it's yeah. it's funny because I think I read on Town Crank, which we mentioned, um, he says, I don't need to know what you mean. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but like, I think from what I've read, he's talking to a partner of like. You know, sometimes you say so much more without saying anything. And Absolutely, I'm here for you. operating more off a of mood and like. But but it, yeah. it's really funny coming from the listener's perspective. Yeah, I don't need to know what you mean. Yeah, I'm absolutely Clark. I don't because it's so beautiful. Exactly. It was just like it's just just vibes, man. Just fucking vibes. Uh, yeah. So, so well, yeah, what are we looking forward to? Is our next um, forward to if you have stuff on your radar, um, and then I also you know. We can shout out some singles while we're still in the neighborhood. Uh, have you listened to Bending Hectic yet? The latest drop from The Smile. No, I've not. That is on. I got a road trip this weekend and uh, I'm playing a house show in Houston. So I, I've got some things queued up. It's uh, I mean, you'll go on your own little journey with it. It's eight minutes long and <laughs> excellent. it uh, it vacillates between basically kind of the <laughs> The three levels of Radiohead, the uh, the ambient side, uh, and then you got the very jazz drum and bass, uh, like just chill, groovy side. And then by the time you get to the third act of this song, it is like, oh, yeah. Remember when we used to fucking throw down and just you remember distortion, dude? Remember distortion? Um, it's fucking great. I really, really like it a lot. Um but more importantly, while we're still in the electronic neighborhood, do you know who released a new single? Oh, Apex Twin. Yes. Have you listened to it yet? Yes, oh, shit. I really like. Oh shit! And he changed. He changed his uh, Spotify uh, picture right now. Figuring out as as of today. To. So uh, I hope that means EP. That's what, that's. I just want to throw that out there. I hope that means EP at the very least. Uh, maybe maybe album. We haven't had a proper album since 2014. Yeah, Syro. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I the collapse EP was I I mean you've heard you've heard me basically do my <laughs> bullshit attempt at like I want those drums. How do you <laughs> how do you make a drum? How do you make a drum machine sound that sounds like it's 25 to 30 different drum machines all competing? with each other at the same time and yet it works that's what i don't understand is like how do you do that um but yeah black box life recorder 21 f from I apex twin i love his naming conventions I and mean, um, that's at the very least i like the song but that's my album art of the year i love that i love so whatever that is cool, uh yeah basically i mean that that aesthetic weirdly i okay I saw the flash 
I wasn't excited about it. I felt like it was more like it's for it's for my job, but it's not my job. Right. You know, it's literally something that's self-imposed. It's like you have a podcast. <laughs> you don't have to talk about it, but like I have to talk about it, whatever. So many of the visual effects that people some people have been maligning in the movie, they literally look like the T-69 collapse video like with all the but in a good so i'm like dude this looks fucking awesome i was like yes this looks like it's like ai having diarrhea but like whatever like it's a choice like yeah they clearly want it to look like this uh but yes that like that aesthetic of like it's like what's the next stage beyond vaporwave <laughs> like mall core yeah yeah but what's that's what i'm saying what's beyond that because i feel like yeah. it's 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 a distinctly it's a 2000s thing it's not a 90s thing it's not it's not vaporwave it's beyond that but the the collapsing textures and like i i don't know whatever that i i forget the name of his collaborator that does a lot of the visuals for him which apparently is just a dude who was like hey i really like your music i also do this weird shit can we find a way to like put these two things together and i'm like yes i love it uh i'm sorry but yeah that that dropped like out of nowhere i didn't know oh, yeah. like and I, I knew he was playing live and there's like he's doing a few more dates uh before the end of the year but i i truly didn't expect anything other than some poorly shot fan videos from from those venues <laughs> that i pour over whenever they're they're available uh but yeah, dude. Oh my god, that I listened to that last night like three or four times on a loop. Oh, yeah. I fucking love it. It's really good. Uh, and then this morning on the ride to work, I got one more, and then I'll mm -hmm. shut up if you have any singles you want to shout out. Um, I I think it's just a one time single collab. I don't know if it's a Beck song or a Phoenix song, but mm, Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. Did you listen to this? I have not yet. That's on the list for this. Just a, I mean, just a fun, just a just a fun little little pop record. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it's a one-off. I don't know if it's going to be on Beck's next record or Phoenix's or vice versa or what, but it was fun. It was good. So I have a couple of shout outs that are mostly like albums that just dropped, but I have not had enough time to be with. To digest. And I mostly know the Got singles. Uh, the first one is most obvious in terms of just dropped. Sigaros just dropped a record. Yeah. Oh, did you not know? <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, I, this is not a visual medium. People can't see me just undulating my body. Enough. Just like, well, what? it was out of nowhere. They they dropped a single, which I'm not going to uh, even try to attempt to pronounce because uh, it's no, Icelandic. It. No, please or, do it. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and uh, and then immediately dropped a record like two days after it. And I've not oh had time to God. listen to it yet. Oh, uh, wow. I but no I enjoyed idea. the single a lot. It's very ambient chamber-ish. I think their record Voltari is kind of unnecessarily maligned. I really like that record. Uh, and it reminded me a lot of Voltari. So I've not had time to dive into the full record, but the single is great. Um, you were talking about uh, Miss Canada of sad pop songs. Uh, there's a British French version of that called This Is The Kit, which just released a record. Uh, um you're in good company mr jason manzukas uh one of the funniest comedians out there uh on the how did this get made podcast uh shout he always does record recommendations and this is his album of the year uh so yes you're in very i've good not company. had enough time with it but i know it will be up there for me but the single inside outside um little little feistian you know okay uh and uh 
the I know this one will be on my end of the year lists. Jess Williamson, who's a country singer, just put out a record, but the single Stampede is one of the saddest songs I've heard in a while about a breakup. And the whole record is really hitting that sad, horny category. Okay. Like, <laughs> damn, like maxed out on the X and Y axis of sad to horny <laughs> okay. ratio. Uh, it's great. And then the last one is the most left field, but I have to shout them out. I think they're Yala Miku, which is Y-A-L-L-A-M-I-K-U. They are North African French post-punk band with Arabic influences on the post-punk stuff. And it of works. Course. Of course. Because why Because why wouldn't you? Uh, it, it works. I um those I are love all how two. tapped in you are, dude. I'm just like <laughs> straight up like three albums I've never fucking heard. Of. Yeah, uh, I love um, it. But those are ba- basically, you know, kind of going on what you're saying that like I've had tastes of all these records or I've listened to it a couple of times, but I've not cracked them yet. Especially the new Sikoros because it's so so new. Uh, but all of those are like if they had been released a little earlier might have been battling with billy woods and you know the helsinki jazz orchestra for what i would have recommended so i'll just put those out and those specific uh we'll link to specific songs off of each of yeah, them i'll get your um, so get hopefully your those act as good hooks yeah yeah into dude those the, the, i swear dude sometimes it's just in the ether like i i went and saw the new wes anderson asteroid city mm-hmm. last night and it's building towards the climax and I'm just thinking about other like previous Wes Anderson climaxes where I'm like, okay, is he going to get me there? Like emotionally? I'm like, I basically started at an eight with, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. I basically started at an eight. It's just like, are you going to, are you going to tip over to a 10 or are you going to stay at like a nine? And it's basically, does it land for me emotionally? And I'm thinking back to like, dude, literally like the end of life aquatic with Steve Zissou, like he drops on a cigarose track as they're like looking at the Jaguar shark. And it's just like, it's like a cheat code. It's like, it's not even <laughs> fair because if you weren't emotionally invested already, it's just like you do that music cue with those visuals and you're gonna cry. Like yeah. if you're a normal human person. <laughs> and so I, they just, they were in my head and I, pardon me, I was just like, dude, I haven't listened to cigarose in forever. I should definitely definitely do that and then the thought flew away and then today you're like oh by the way they have a new full-length record i'm like okay so i dude i've got my work cut out for me uh the rest of the weekend so uh uh, we both do i I gotta catch up on some of this stuff i gotta listen to michael as you were saying and you know this it's been an exciting year for music if I can uh, throw one out at you, because I don't know that we've ever discussed them before, but given that you were at a uh, an experimental uh, metal uh, yeah. show festival, have we discussed Oh Brother at all? No. Okay, they are they are from Georgia. They were part of Manchester Orchestra's label initially, and they they were the outliers in terms of like we always kind of knew. Oh, they're gonna go on to some other label because they're just fucking they're heavy as shit and they just don't quite fit in with everybody, but uh in a good way. Uh they've been on kind of a weird indefinite hiatus, as far as I know, but they have some great records. I would like for you to listen to Garden Window okay. and just uh just right give down. it a just give it a shot. Yeah, no, we're going to trade list uh, through text after this because I need you to send everything that we just talked about so I can actually <laughs> add it to the playlist. I think I managed to get like three or four tracks in the midst of that, yeah. but 
yeah, as always, uh, thank you so much for doing this, sir. So you definitely want to come back to do worst of the year. I think that could be very exciting. <laughs> we obviously got to do best of, but, uh, oh, excuse me, records that you're, do you have any that you're excited for that we know are coming? I don't think we got to that. No, the 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 ones right now, thankfully, I'm pretty locked in on the records I just mentioned of like having just literally just come out and going around there. I, I don't think there's any off the top of my head that I'm like, oh, that's interesting that this like single came out. I wonder if the record's going to be any good. Um, but part of that may be that uh, unlike usual weeks where I'm really trawling through to see what the next couple of weeks will be like looking like I was so heat exhausted and Tim heckered out yeah. that I just did not do that prep. So I I've got, I've got some stuff to listen to, but it's already out. So, gotcha. but how about you? Uh, no, I was going to say same. I was hoping you were like, yeah. Oh, I know this is coming I, as always. Um, and just because I don't know, it's still in the back of my head because they're on tour right now, but we got the King of Sweden single like a year ago. I just, I, there's got to be a future islands record like right around the corner at the pace mm -hmm. that they normally work at. I'm kind of, uh, I'm possibly expecting that, but yeah, no, now I'm just holding out hope that we get an Aphex record before the year's over. Yeah. That's uh, cause that, that came completely out of left field. So yeah, I look I forward to that. As far as uh, one more single that I will shout out randomly, just cause we brought him up earlier um, post uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, Kendrick Lamar seems to be having a little bit of fun again. Oh uh, yeah, the the baby the baby came collab. Uh, the Hillbillies is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, I, and they I sample... appreciate that Kendrick seems to be having fun. Yes, and they sample Bonavir. Uh, is the most like relaxed and chilled out and just confident I've heard him sound in uh in a little while, which is which was very uh. A fun, nice change of pace from the dramatics yeah. of that record, which I thought Absolutely. were very effective. But uh, it's nice to, it's nice to get a little backseat freestyle energy every once in a while. Yes. Uh, I always uh, like to get back, uh, get back to that. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to be dour all the time. And you know, after Miss yes. Morale, I'm like, is he okay? Like, yeah. you know, you're like, hey, well, hopefully that was cathartic, and now let's uh, let's have some fun. Yeah. yeah. Also, the I'm I'm I, she's not a go to for me. Sorry. Now the stands are really going to come after me, but uh. The America has a problem with Beyonce. I just like I don't stay tapped into everything she's doing, but I did listen to it because he's on there. I like his verse. That was that was cool. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, that that was it. I just wanted to shout out Kent, yeah, some, yeah, some yeah, positive yeah. vibes to the recent Kendrick stuff. Okay. Uh, I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah. We we definitely won't wait till the end of the year. We'll find an excuse to have you on again soon. You got any festivals coming up? Uh, I'm gonna be avoiding ACL um just you know like not to be the cranky i'm not an austin native like someone mm -hmm. would like absolutely flay me alive for claiming that but <laughs> uh living in austin during acl can be a little weird um and there were not if you like took out from the two weekends like a certain amount of artists i would go but for the money you know that mm -hmm. you need to go is just not enough uh really um so the next thing would be uh, levitation fest probably which is almost like terror fest oblivion accesses like uh flip coin like on the other side of the coin like twin and that mm -hmm. usually happens in november no releases yet on who's going to do that though so i'm just chilling um we could come back in a for the next quarter review or if we both see some good shows obviously oh absolutely uh, i've got yeah. uh, i will be seeing killer mike live here in charleston for sure 
Nice. Uh, and then if I, I don't know if I can, uh, I don't know if I can twist somebody's arm and get one and get us, uh, get a ticket for the smile. They are coming here, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but it's, I think it's been sold out for quite a while. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that, but yeah, definitely yeah. seeing killer Mike at the Charleston theater. That'll be a lot of fun and we'll see what else is on my radar. But, uh, yeah. Until next time, please tell everybody where they can uh, find you, hear you, listen to you, all that good stuff. Uh, plug the 2010s. And uh, what what are you working on currently for uh, the old National Public Radio organization? Yeah, I am at the 2010s.net is the website. You can search me on the 2010s on Spotify, Anchor and Apple Podcasts. Um, for various interviews we got some more coming out pretty soon uh conic rose who i mentioned who are a great berlin jazz group i'm about to release an interview with them i released an interview with nuria graham who's an amazing irish catalan songwriter i met during south by southwest and arbor labor union who's kind of a country punk band out of atlanta who were just the most delightful people uh those interviews are either out or going to be out uh, and then uh, for National Public Radio, the reason why it took so long for us to get this is because they said I was going to have a six month probationary period before they I really got into the work. And then a month that happened, I hosted Morning Edition for two weeks. Oh, OK, um, <laughs> cool. I'm so tired. No, I'm That's, so tired. I bet, man. Oh, my God. All right. Well, congratulations <laughs> on your new job i hope it's worth it enjoy it your is. it totally is i'm just so tired all the time oh man i feel you uh yeah. i yeah uh what is what's the date it's friday um i'm gonna try and get this up today it's it's, it's june 23rd uh i have a new ep because i can't help Ooh. myself uh comes out on this coming friday it's called uh Sonari. uh and uh yeah just a little six little six track ep just a little fun time and then uh on the horizon in july so begins the summer of synth wave i'm gonna be taking Yay! you guys on a on an intergalactic journey uh across the cosmos with the space driver saga uh so it's gonna be a couple eps uh throughout july and august and then september 1st we get the space driver saga uh, which is basically this uh, synthwave spectacular that I've been working on that's heavily influenced by my brother because he loves that shit. And so I basically made I made a whole like series of records just for him. Uh, but people people still listen to it, hopefully. Uh, you know, I hope we haven't completely crossed the the 80s nostalgia Rubicon. I think, you know, I feel like we're already I feel like we're coming up on like 2000s nostalgia already. But anyways. Yeah, if you just, want those if you want be... those thick toms and those you know those luscious scents man i got i got them coming for you it's this it's the summer synth wave uh narc lowercase n capital a r k uh go check me out on all the normal services and i, I don't know why you didn't plug yourself so i'll do it uh nathan <laughs> nathan's uh nathan goes by Makaisha, which please spell it for everybody M-I-C-A-J-A-H. And I played my second show since breaking my wrist. I did. Uh, I, I saw that. How, and, yeah, uh, how, my, my wrist doesn't hurt anymore. That's great, man. That's awesome. Well, now, uh, whenever you get some sleep and get a break from NPR, I got to get you to lay down some some sweet licks and some and some vocals, and, and we're going to start collabing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. 
so appreciate it man let's do it again uh, thank soon. you for having or thank you for <laughs> thank you for having me thank you for being here sir yeah. uh yes uh thank you once again to the incomparable nathan stevens our man in texas until next time i have been noah and this has been the archive podcast thank you for listening okay stop recording. recording my end and i'll send this over to you